The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. How do I defeat discouragement? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you. We honor you today in the name of Jesus. We ask that you breathe upon us. Teach us your word yourself and let your name be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. So I get asked, like I said, Pastor, how do I defeat discouragement? Discouragement can be a very tricky thing that if we don't tackle it and overcome it, it can actually be a huge setback, particularly at this time. I want to read um, Exodus chapter 6, Exodus 6 verse 9. It says, So Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said, but they refused to listen anymore. They had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. They had become too discouraged by the brutality of it. So you, you, discouragement actually stops people from receiving the word of God. I mean, this was Moses. It was legit. The word of God was, was coming straight from, from the throne of grace, if you will. And Moses was delivering this word to the people. And the people were not receiving it because they were discouraged. Are you discouraged today? by the brutality of what's going on in the world. Are you discouraged today by the pressure of the pandemic that we're facing? Are you discouraged by health challenges, by finances, by relationship pressures? Are you discouraged by life generally today? If you don't tackle discouragement, it can lead down the drain. But today, you will be empowered to defeat discouragement in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. So, like every other area of life, to overcome, you have to rethink that area of life. To overcome in every area of life, even with salvation, for us to overcome sin and be saved through the finished work of Jesus, we needed to rethink. In fact, the word repent is the word metanoia, which means to rethink and redirect. So it always starts with rethinking. So pastor, how do I defeat discouragement? You defeat discouragement by rethinking how you feel about the things that discourage you. Everyone that was great and has been great has been discouraged. Jesus has been discouraged. Paul has been discouraged. David has been discouraged. So if you find that you have to deal with discouragement time and again, you are actually in good company. Yes, you are in good company. So the key thing is that you need to be empowered to defeat discouragement. Jesus defeated discouragement. Paul defeated discouragement. 
David defeated discouragement. All the great men, even on earth today, have learned how to defeat discouragement. You will defeat discouragement. David said to us in Psalm 42, Psalm 42, verse 5, he said, Why am I so discouraged? Why am I so sad? I will put my hope. I will redirect my thoughts. I will take charge of my thoughts and redirect it towards God. If someone is qualified, if there's anything like that to be discouraged, it was David. If someone was qualified to be discouraged, it was Jesus. If someone was qualified to be discouraged, it was Paul. Paul gave a personal testimony in 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11 from verse 24. Paul was saying five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. They flogged him 39 strokes. Five different times. Do the math. This guy was flogged. Why? Because he believed in Jesus. Three times I was beaten with rods. With rods. Iron rods. Once I was stoned and left for dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I have faced dangers from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced dangers in cities and in deserts and on the seas. Do you think you deserve to be discouraged? Paul deserved to be discouraged. He says, I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not false brethren. There are people claiming to be believers and are not. They are discouraging people and, and, and de defrauding people and discouraging so many because of that. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and I have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Since then, besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. This was Paul. He had a right, if you will, to be discouraged. Yet, Paul overcame discouragement. Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16, this is why we never give up. I'm like, whoa, this man is saying, this is why we never give up. We are pressed on every side, but not crushed. We, are, we, we fall, but we are not forsaken. This guy is saying, there's something he knows. If somebody knows how to defeat discouragement, it's Paul. And we need to learn from Paul. We need to learn Paul's seven secrets of defeating discouragement. We're going to learn five of them today and two of them at Tribe on Wednesday. Seven secrets of defeating discouragement. If Paul can say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, that this is why we don't give up. I want to know why. This is why he doesn't give up. So I will back up to verse 1. Come with me on this journey. 
as we find out Paul's secret to defeating discouragement. So the first thing we see that Paul's secret of defeating discouragement is number one, never forget how much God loves you. So, Pastor, how do I defeat discouragement? I never forget how much God loves me. I never, you see, again, well, it's coming back again. Remember, 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 remember. I never forget. You must ensure that you never forget how much God loves you because God loves you ridiculously. Ridiculously. You must never forget how much God loves you. And we see that in 2 Corinthians 4.1. Remember, we are backing up to verse 1 to see why we would say this is why we never give up. It says that God in his mercy has given us this ministry and work to do. That is why we do not become discouraged and never give up. Whoa! So why don't we get discouraged? Because God in his mercy. So the mercy, the favor, the kindness, the love of God is what I am focused on. Paul is saying, it is what drives away my discouragement. When I focus on God's love and God's mercy for me, when I, when I focus on how much God is kind to me, it drives away discouragement. It drives away discouragement. Unfortunately, a lot of people have a skewed way, a skewed understanding of who God is. Very skewed. So we have people that actually, when they hear God, every time they hear God, they hear a critical voice. They hear a critical voice. Maybe because your, your dad has been critical growing up. And that is the authority figure that you know. Or your mom has been, has been cynical and critical. Or it's your uncle that has been cynical. Or it's an auntie. And we've been battered. And many people, they only hear God chastising them. Listen, if all you hear God say to you <laughs> is to chastise you, something is wrong with that. You need to check who you are listening to. You need to check who you are listening to. Because God loves you. Oh, they say, oh, but pastor, the, the child the Lord loves, it chastises. <laughs> if that's your response, you need deliverance. <laughs> You need deliverance because, yes, that is one aspect of his love. But there's a whole lot more that makes it complete. That is love and kindness and mercy. Mercy is not to give us what we deserve. So, God loves you. Never forget that. There was a lady that every time he sees the pastor, he says to the pastor, and I have a friend like that too. <laughs> you have a friend like that too. He says to the pastor, oh, God is dealing with me in this area. Oh, God is just exposing, you know, the flaws of my heart. Oh, God has been dealing with me very brutally. Oh, I am crushed. I am broken in the presence of God. It sounds pious. But after a while, the pastor said to her, every time, every time you're hearing God, how he's critical about your shortcomings. My sister, that's not God. Am I saying God doesn't chastise us? Am I saying God doesn't confront our flaws? Of course he does. And that's what makes us better and grow. What I'm saying is that cannot be all your experience of God. That cannot be all your experience of God. 
It can't be. In fact, you need to realize that the number one purpose of your life is not for you to please God. That's <laughs> just messing up some people's theology. The number one purpose, I said number one, number one purpose of your life is not for you to do good. The number one purpose of your life is not for you to fulfill your destiny. Some people are so consumed with fulfilling their destinies that they don't even have, they don't even understand God anymore. The, the number one purpose of your life is not for you to love God back. That's not the number one purpose of your life. You're like, okay, pastor, what's the number one purpose of my life? I'll tell you now. It's top secret. No. <laughs> the number one purpose of your life, number one purpose of your life is to let God love you. Wow. So you cannot even begin to please God if you've not received the love of God. We cannot begin to love God back or to love God if you don't know what it is for God to love you because our love for God is a response to God's love for us. So the number one purpose for our life cannot be for us to love God. The number one purpose for our life is for us to receive God's love and to allow God love us. You may be here today, you're watching me. No one knows you are watching, but God knows and God sees you. You may consider yourself far from God. You may even say you're not a Christian. You may even say that you, 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 don't, you don't believe. But you see, I'm, I'm saying to you today that the number one purpose of your existence is for you to allow God love you. Are you going to allow God love you? It doesn't matter who has abused you. It doesn't matter who has smashed you or, or, or stepped over you. Are you going to allow God to love you? When you do, you come into the fulfillment of your number one purpose of existence. God made you to love you. That is the reason of our existence. As soon as we realize that, we enter a rest in God that cannot even be explained. So by focusing on God's love and mercy for me, I don't have to prove my worth to nobody. <laughs> I don't have to prove my worth. I'm focused on God's love for me. Number two, I don't have to wallow in my failures. We all make mistakes. Because of God's love for me, I don't have to wallow in my failures. So how do I defeat discouragement? How do you defeat discouragement? The first thing is this. You never forget how much God loves you. Number two is this. Don't fake it. Yes, don't fake it. There's nothing more discouraging than trying to be something that you are not. Trying to be something you are not will frustrate <laughs> your life completely. Many times, we wear masks. We pretend. We pretend to be who we are not. We have um, a public version of ourselves. We have a Facebook version. We have a, a, an Instagram version. We have a Twitter version. We have a, a Mixler version. Then we have the version that we don't like. The one that we know that is our home. That life is going to be totally frustrated. 
totally frustrated. So, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying stop wearing masks. For you to overcome discouragement, you need to stop faking it. But, Pastor, I, I, I'm afraid if I let people know who I really am, they won't like me. Then that means you need to go and listen to the first point. By the time you open yourself to this word, you will see how beautiful you really are. Oh, yes, you will. So, wearing a mask can be draining and discouraging. Even the half mask that we wear for um, uh, protection uh, for, for, from the virus as they, they have directed us, how, how comfortable is that? You wear it all day. Oh, yes, we try to make it fashionable. So, you wear it all day. After a while, what happens? As soon as it gets into your car, what do you want to do? As you, want, as you get it, oh, what do you want to do? You want to take off the mask. So, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Verse 2, remember we are looking at Paul's secret as revealed in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 on how to defeat discouragement. Verse 2 says, we don't try to trick anyone. I mean, this is so beautiful. We don't try to trick anyone. We don't twist the word of God. We are legit by the grace of God. Instead, we teach the truth plainly, showing everyone who we really are says, then they can know in their hearts what kind of people we are in God's sight. Paul is saying, we don't trick anybody. We are not putting up a show. We are open. We are playing with the word of God. We don't do hocus pocus. <laughs> there is no gimmick. And that is how God wants us to be in our lives. God didn't make you to be someone else. God made you to be you. Think about it. God did not make you to be someone else. God didn't make you to be the celebrity you are trying to model your wardrobe after. God made you to be you. We are missing you. We are missing you. <laughs> we really are. Because, you know, the truth is that a lot of people grew up with your parents saying, why are you not like your brother? Or why are you not like your sister? Oh, your sister did this. Can't you see how your brother did that? Why are you not like... And the, the best intentions, they are just trying to stir us up and challenge us. However, in many cases, in most cases, they are doing a lot of damage to the average normal person. So people grew up trying to be like one brother or like one sister. And at the end of the day, you are frustrated about yourself. Today, Jesus is bringing healing to your soul in the mighty name of Jesus. You don't have to be like your brother. You have permission today to walk away from this service, not to be like anybody, but to be you. We want you. We want to see you. We want to meet you. And that is what God wants for you. That, that's what God wants for you. You know, the truth is that God doesn't bless fakes. God only blesses original. For instance, some people, you know, they dress like Michael Jackson. They try to dress like Michael Jackson, <laughs> you know, and all that stuff. God can only bless a Michael Jackson for being a Michael Jackson. You can't receive that blessing. You can only receive your own. And we are waiting for you. If you want God to bless your life, <laughs> you better just start being who God has made you to be. If you want God's blessing on your life, you have to be original. You see, the truth is that most of us start off in life 
being original. But somewhere along the line, parental influence, comparing siblings, many people lose it. Now, not many people are rebels. Some of us are rebels. We don't want to be like anybody. <laughs> From childhood, I don't want to be like nobody. I just want to be me, you know. But not everybody is like that, unfortunately. You know, and so a lot of people have had to deal with burdens of being carbon copies. But think about it. If God made you to be you, and you are not going to be you, then God had better kill you and take you to heaven because you are useless on earth. We don't need another Michael Jackson. <laughs> we don't. We don't. We don't need another whoever you are copying. We need you to be you. Don't fake it. The truth is this: you don't have to be perfect for God to use you. Oh, is it that beautiful? You don't have to be perfect for God to. Many times we think we have to be perfect. Oh, I have to know the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I have to. No, you don't have to be perfect. For God to use you. But you have to be authentic. You have to be original. That is the only requirement. Can you be you? Can you look at yourself in the mirror and you are okay with you? Because God loves you. And you don't doubt his love. I have my flaws. I have my flaws. I know many of you don't believe me. But I have my flaws. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. I have my flaws. If you don't believe me, ask my colleagues at the church office. I have my flaws. But guess what? Guess what? God loves me regardless. And he gave me a name to assure me that he loves me. God uses me regardless. God blesses me because by the grace of God, I'm authentic. I'm not trying to be anybody. I'm not trying to be Michael Jackson. I got my own dance. <laughs> You don't have to like it, by the way, and I don't give a damn. But I'm dancing to my Jesus. You see, I'm totally free. God wants you to be free. We need you to show up. The truth is that a lot of people always project their strengths. I'd rather let people know that, look, I'm not, I'm not claiming to be perfect. I'm not claiming to be perfect. Nobody, anybody that claims to be perfect is a big fat liar. If God were waiting to use the perfect person, nothing would get done on earth. Yes, we are inspired by people's strengths. We can be inspired to do great things by people's strengths. But guess what? We can only grow through people's weaknesses. We can only grow by seeing that if, oh, if God can use Femi Monet, God can use me. I have people, I mean, some people that know, know me, you know, in the past would, would say that if God can use that guy, ah, God can use me. So God can use you. You don't have to be perfect. The point is that if God loves me and I like me and you don't like me, that's your problem. Let everybody say, let's say together. If God loves me, come on, say, if God loves me and I like me and you don't like me, that's your beeswax. That's your problem. That's your problem. I cannot be my problem. That's your problem. So how do I defeat discouragement? Number one, don't forget how much God loves me. Number two, don't fake it. Number three, remember it's not about me. I mean, this is big. It's huge. 
Remember, it's not about me. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5. This is what Paul says to us. 2 Corinthians 4, 5. He says, our message is not about ourselves. Hmm. It's about Jesus Christ as the Lord. We are merely your servant for Christ's sake. Anytime you forget that it's not about you, you are going to be either prideful or fearful or bitter. Anytime you forget that it's not about you. Do you find yourself prideful? You've forgotten that it's not about you. Do you find yourself fearful? You've forgotten that it's not about you. Do you find yourself bitter? You, you harbor resentment against your brother, against your sister. You have forgotten that it is not about you. It could be a combo. You are fearful and bitter. Or fearful and prideful. Or prideful and bitter. Or the three together. Prideful, fearful, bitter. Remember, it is not about you. God didn't make the world to revolve around you. You need to understand that. You know, and when you think of everything that God has made, and you really think that everything is about you, <laughs> then <laughs> you, you are in for a big shocker in life. You see, God has designed your life to have a message. Paul says, our message is not about ourselves. Your life has a message. You have a life message. The message of your life, your life message, is God wants to say to the world through your life. Your life is saying something. And the totality of your life will eventually say something. That is your life message. And God is saying... Your life message is not about you. It's about me. Your life message is not about you. It's about him. When you stand in front of the mirror, I mean, I tell my colleagues to, to, to do this um, a, a lot. Stand in front of the mirror and say to yourself, it's not about me. Look at yourself and say, Femi Monet, it's not about you. It is not about you. Say it 10 times, say it 20 times. Some of us, we need to say it 50 times every day to get into our system. That it is really not about you. God is blessing you. Guess what? It's not about you. It's not about you. Things are going well for you. Guess what? It is not about you. It is not about you. Things are going tough at the moment for you. Guess what? It's still not about you. God will take the glory of your life. When you know that, discouragement fizzles away. It is my story is for his glory. My story is not about me. It's about him. And he that what is over me does not slumber, nor sleep. Someone praises you. And I do this. This is, I mean, this, this is the pattern of my life. I'm, I'm opening it up for you. Someone praises me. I look up. It's not about me. It's about him. It's about him. So guess what? Someone criticizes me. I look up. It's not about me. Is about you. If you don't know how to do that, you're going to be petty. You're going to have a bitterness. You're going to, because you think it's about you. It is not about you. Someone misjudges me. I look up. It's not about me. It's about him. Someone disagrees with me. Uh -uh. It's not about me. It's about him. Someone disagrees with you. You cannot take anybody disagreeing with you. You have a big problem. You'll be easily discouraged. 
be filled with pride, fear, and bitterness. It's not about you. It's about him. Someone ignores you. There's a meeting. There's a Zoom meeting. And they're talking there to everybody. Nobody talked about you. And you are hurt. My brother, you have a big problem. You have a big one. Or my sister, you have a big problem. <laughs> big problem. Guess what? Today, Jesus will set you free. Say amen. Today, 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 Jesus will set you free. As you remember that it is not about you. When I focus on me, I get discouraged. You need to ask yourself, why? Why always determines how long? Why am I doing what I'm doing determines how long I do it? So, number one, never forget how much God loves me. Number two, don't fake it. Number three, remember it is not about me. Number four, how do I defeat discouragement? I relax in my limitations. You get discouraged when you try to be superman or superwoman. You are limited. For instance, you will never get more than 24 hours in a day. Try it. It's not going to happen. You cannot fix everybody's problem. Try it. You can't. You can't please everybody. Try it. You have limitations. You can't. Some people won't like you. That's okay. You have to be okay with that. It's life. You can't be in more than one place at a time. Try it. <laughs> Say by video. But yes, but you won't be physically in more than one place at a time. You can't spend more money than you have. Try it. If you try it, you discover what they call debt. And you'll be discouraged. You'll be under pressure. So you have to admit your limitations as a human being. God is God and I am not. You have to relax in your limitations. Anytime you don't live within the limitation of your life, you are going to get discouraged. Anytime. Some people say, oh, Pastor, are we not supposed to be limitless? We are limited, limitless people. <laughs> we are limitless in our limitations. <laughs> that's, that's how it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says to us, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says, We now have this light shining into our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. Did you see that? We are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. The truth is, we have been dropped. We have cracks. This fragile clay actually have cracks. But the beauty is that crack or those cracks are needed so that the treasure can come out. Those cracks are needed so that the light can come out. Great power blesses the world through our brokenness. On one hand, we are broken. On the other hand, God uses our brokenness for his glory. Why? He says, this makes it clear that our power is from God and not from ourselves. Hallelujah. Because if only we understand this, remember that 
our brokenness is actually working for our good. And if God only uses perfect people, nothing will get done on earth. Think about it. God invaded the earth as a little baby with nobody as parents. At least the parents were nobodies. In a manger. So the kingdom of God entered through weakness. The kingdom of heaven entered the earth through weakness. Guess what? The kingdom of heaven will only be strengthened through weakness. Will only be expanded through weakness. So number one, how do I defeat discouragement? Never forget how much God loves me. Number two, don't fake it. Number three, remember it's not about me. Number four, relax in my limitations. And number five, use my pain to help others. I use my pain to help others. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse eight to nine. It says, we often suffer, but we are not crushed. Even when we don't know what to do, we never give up. In times of trouble, God is with us. And when we are knocked down, we get up again. Why is Paul so resilient? Why is Paul so resistant to discouragement? Because he's saying in verse 15, all this suffering of ours, all the sufferings of ours are for your benefit. So Paul is saying, I keep on going. I don't get discouraged because I know it's helping other people. Whoa. So when you keep going, someone will look at you and the person will be encouraged. When you don't give up, even though you are pressed, when you don't throw in the towel, even though you are knocked down, you get up again, you can help other people. Studies and studies and studies have shown that the human being can handle an enormous amount of pain if there's a purpose to the pain. In fact, the pain that women go through at delivery of, of children, they said on normal situations, the human being cannot endure that pain. But the body will because of the joy of the baby. So God is saying, your pain has a purpose. There are people that are tied to your pain. When you receive that and you discover that God will use your pain to help others, you begin to find purpose for your pain. So as we wrap up today, number one, never forget how much God loves me. Don't fake it. Number two. Number three, Remember, it's not about me. Number four, I relax in my limitation. Number five, I use my pain to help others. And all these five and the seven in totality, they're a whole lot easier when we do it with other people. They're a whole lot easier when we do it with other people, when we do life with other people. So join a small group. Life groups have started. Join one. Don't do life alone. Let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads. I want to pray with you. If you're like, Pastor, I want, to, I want to step into the ultimate purpose of my existence. I want to allow God to love me. 
I want to open my heart so that I can receive the love of Jesus. I want to surrender my life to him. Wherever you are, whoever you're watching with, I'm going to count up to three. At the count of three, I want you to raise up your hand and I'll pray with you. One, two, three. Raise up that hand over your head and I'm going to pray with you. I want to receive the love of Jesus. I want to receive him as my father, as my God, and receive his love and turn my life over to him. If you are making that decision, I want to pray with you. Father, we pray for everyone that is making this decision for you. We ask that you breathe upon them. Change these lives, O God of heaven. Let your name be glorified in their lives. We pray for every one of us. As we have learned the secret of defeating discouragement, empower us to be doers of these words so that of a truth we will defeat discouragement. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Honor and glory be given to you. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen.